Hello, everyone, and welcome into this episode of the Irish NFL Show with me, Colm Cronin. And I am delighted to be joined by one of my favorite guests. Delighted to welcome him back, JP Acosta. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Colm. Thanks for having me on again. I uh, let's go with a broad question uh, initially, and, and maybe I'll I'll ask you to take off your Jaguars hat for this one. Now. Um, did you, as we sit here, you know, we're one game left in the season, the Super Bowl, but looking at the it in its entirety, did you enjoy the 2023 season? Oh, I loved it. I loved this season for what it brought us in terms of schematic changes in the NFL and just the difference in what offenses look like compared to where we were in like 2018. Of course, everybody's saying like, oh, scoring's down. That means the the football's bad. No, this is great. This is what I've dreamed of. This is what I've hoped for. The defense has finally punched back against opposing NFL offenses, and now the cycle can continue to go around. Uh, football's cyclical. You know, as ideas get filtered from high school to college to the NFL, the NFL will start to make those popularized, and then the cycle will continue, and there's going to be constant punching and counterpunching for the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Defense is counterpunched already. Now it's time for the offense to throw out their punch again. And on the defensive side of things, I suppose interested in in you know what you have seen because it, it it feels like yeah this was a season where defenses definitely took um you know they did they punch back but they punch back in slightly different ways and particularly I suppose what we saw perhaps from Mike McDonald and the Ravens. It took so like some of what the what the Fangio scheme a bit like I suppose the Shanahan scheme on offense has been what people have maybe been kind of running and variants thereof or it's certainly been the most prominent in the league over the past you know half decade certainly but McDonald has taken this to to a new level and added a lot of his own stuff added wrinkles a lot more disguises. Um, I suppose what what for you what jumped out in terms of uh, the punchback from uh, defenses and what what is uh, do you have any ideas on like what what might uh, we see from the McVeighs and the Shanahan's and the uh, Mike McDaniel's next year in order to counter what defenses did this year? So. <clears throat> I think one of the biggest things that Mike McDonald did this year was his ability to generate pressure without always having to send all-out blitzes. A lot of the pressures, it was uh, it was something where, not something, but it was sending four guys, but you didn't know which four they would be. It could be dropping both defensive tackles and bringing both uh, nickels off the edges. It could be bringing a linebacker, dropping an edge guy. It could be bringing a corner from all the way off the backside but you're always getting there with four. And that's how they led the NFL in sacks without having a superstar pass rusher on the, on the edge. Justin Matabuike is a rising star, but he's not a certified pass rush legit threat yet. So the ability to generate pressure without risking structural integrity of the defense was something that I think defenses are going to start mimicking and start reinforcing with their defenses because one thing you want to do against the superhuman quarterbacks that we're seeing now is you want to force the issue and by force the issue I don't mean all-out pressure play cover one because if you play guys like Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson they're just gonna run they can beat you with their legs but it's forcing the issue in terms of 
changing the picture up front where it might look different compared to what you saw pre-snap. Now, offensively, I think Sean McVay and watching his Rams teams grow from 2018 to 2023 has been one of the coolest things in the NFL. He was a heavy outside zone boot action. We know Sean McVay to be kind of the another developer of the Shanahan outside zone. But this year, they ran a lot more duo, a lot more gap scheme, power running, because they were seeing so many five-man fronts with the edges stacked. So you there is no way to get, a, get around the edge, and you're forcing cutbacks into, into bodies. So you run duo, you run gap schemes, you run at these guys, you get vertical. And that's how their offense, you know, kind of took off, even despite not having before what we thought before the season as much of a chance at contending. You know, they took the Lions to the limit. So I think we're going to start seeing the punch back in terms of we're going to see start seeing bigger personnel on offense. Uh, my co-writer, Mark Schofield, and I have this term big boy grilling on the roof offense. That's what we're going to get back into. A lot bigger personnel offensively, a lot more gap scheme running. And in that, we're going to see a lot bigger personnel return on defense, which I think is going to affect how we scout and evaluate entering uh, the NFL draft. Now, one of the things I suppose following the Dolls Championship Games, um, I, I consume a lot of NFL content. There was a lot of debate and different differences of opinions on in terms of the the future of the the Lions and the Ravens and who should feel more optimistic and who should feel more pessimistic. And there were different reasons, you know, given in terms of, I suppose, the Ravens, they have Lamar, but a lot of those defensive pieces might well be moving on. Mike McDonald, we don't know if he'll be moving on. For the Lions, obviously, um, you know, they, they don't have a superstar, superstar QB. Um, but they have a young roster. They have Dan Gamble, and now they have their OC coming back. I suppose from your per perspective, JP, do you do you think one of those franchises has a rosier um, kind of outlook for 2024 than the other, or, or should they both be reasonably optimistic? I think they can both be reasonably optimistic for the reasons that you said. I mean, the Ravens have Lamar Jackson. As long as you have an elite quarterback, that window is always going to be open. Losing Mike McDonald is going to hurt really bad. He is one of the rising stars in the industry, generally well-respected, and we've seen what he can do as a play caller and a defensive designer uh, of instructor of defenses. So how they kind of negotiate the brain drain that leaves when McDonald leaves is going to be very interesting. But from the Lions' perspective, you know, you keep Ben Johnson around. They have a – the Lions are still very, like – they're still a little ahead of schedule. You know, think about in 2021, they were rebuilding. You know, they were – they had two top 10 picks, and they kind of turned it into this NFC Championship contending team. So now you're like, okay, we're here. We almost made it to the top of the mountain, but we cannot stay here. We can't go, go into the season thinking if we just run it back will be just in the same spot. There's stuff that has to in, in and there's stuff that has to improve. There's stuff that has to change because everything around you in the NFL is going to change as well. You know, the Packers are getting a lot better. You're going to have to face them two times a year. Who knows what happens with the Bears and the Vikings? The Vikings are always going to be interesting because they have the talent. So you cannot stay complacent. That's the biggest thing that NFL teams cannot do. I mean, look at the team in the Super Bowl. Look at the Chiefs. They 
they traded Tyreek Hill in 2021 and then made two straight Super Bowls after. So it's going to be really interesting to see where the Ravens and Lions go because I neither of them have been very complacent in years past, just in their history. And the Dan Campbell teams have never been like very complacent. You know, they traded DeAndre Swift, they took Jameer Gibbs, and that worked out really, really well. Um, what they do with the golf extension, because Jared Goff is going to get extended and he's going to get a lot of money. So now you're working within the margins of you're paying a quarterback big money. So now you don't have that same leeway as you used to, you know, like you can stack up all these draft picks on rookie deals and let them get good. Now you got to work within the margin. You got to find your Davian Clowney type signing like the Ravens did. So how they go about that is going to be a really interesting thing this year. Yeah, I, I think certainly uh, it will be once, obviously, once QBs move off um, those more team-friendly deals, uh, the, the the margins definitely narrow, unless you are the Chiefs and you've Patrick Mahomes. And even if he has the top cap hit in the league, it doesn't matter. Um, you mentioned him earlier, and um, you may, you're probably too too young, but my you mentioned Josh Allen. My comp for, for Josh Allen from the wrestling world is the ultimate warrior. Because he, it is just a chaos and energy and everything about it. You're, you're afterwards. You're left wondering what was that? It was magic and fantastic. But ultimately, Warrior forever played second fiddle to Hulk Hogan. It appears Josh is uh, going to play second fiddle to Patrick Mahomes. Certainly at this point, so Warrior got to the top of the mountain eventually. Maybe um, for Josh, he can get there. But if you were the the Bills at this point, JP, and you you're coming off, I suppose, the season that they had, but realistically, you know, the past three four years that that they have had, what what do they what do they need to to do th- this off season to you know continue to I, I guess face the the Chiefs and and hopefully eventually uh, slay the Dragon. So on the bright side for the Bills is all the depth guys that they thought weren't going to play that we thought were kind of bad going into the season turned out to be pretty good as soon as they kept getting reps. So now you can say you have that depth. You're going to get back Matt Milano. Um, Of course, he's coming off a major injury, so how that looks is going to be very intriguing. Who knows what happens with Tredavious White, who's coming off of another major injury. Um, They're getting old. On the defensive side of the ball, they're getting very old. I think that's going to be something to uh, watch out for. But I think their biggest need is getting an actual second receiver. Gabe Davis is hitting free agency. I would let Gabe Davis walk. He is football J.R. Smith in terms of sometimes he'll score 30 points. Sometimes he won't score, and he'll just be the worst player on the court. I think they need a legit second receiver next to Stephon Diggs because the way that they 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 want to play, they like to play, they can have another, they, it's perfectly fine to have another guy and like kind of let Stefan Diggs grow into like a 1B, someone's 1A. They don't have the 1A right now. Stephon Diggs is the 1A. And how Joe Brady managed Stefan Diggs and getting him targets was very interesting to watch after he got, he took the job. They kind of traded off, you know, it was like perfectly balanced as all things should be. Ken Dorsey was feeding Stefan Diggs, pass game looked really, really good. Run game stunk, they went 6 to 6. Joe Brady comes in. Run game looks great. Stephon Diggs can't get a target. You lose to the Chiefs. Like that's 
Like it's perfectly balanced as all things should be. So they need Joe Brady needs to be able to find a balance between those two. You know, like it's great that you can run the ball really, really well now, but Stefan Diggs is one of your best offensive players. You got to find a way to get him involved. Maybe that's by getting another receiver to kind of take some of the heat, take some of the attention off of him. So how they go about addressing the team building this offseason is going to be huge because, again, you can't run it back. Running it back is saying, like, hey, we don't think anybody else in this division is going to get better. And the Jets are going to get Aaron Rodgers back. Who knows what that looks like? I mean, their defense played so well to the point that they were just outside the playoff hunt until Zach Wilson was just generally deemed like bad at football, of course. The Dolphins were right on the cusp of winning the division. Of course, the Dolphins had their have their own set of problems. And who knows what happened with the Patriots? They're still going to be there's they're gonna be there. <laughs> they're gonna be there. Uh, but you're there are a whole bunch of more teams in the AFC. You gotta climb that mountain once again. So you can't just sit there and be like, oh, we're gonna stay we're gonna be fine at the top we don't need to change anything like this is the perfect time to reinvent because you have the quarterback this is the time to maximize the margin for error um and th- i we, this is way too early but we're because for the super bowl isn't the it hasn't even happened we free agency and the the draft to go but of the teams who missed the playoffs this year who would who would are you kind of thinking next year um, they have a, a, a really good shot? I know you mentioned the Jets, and obviously they're getting Rodgers back, though that athletic piece uh, earlier on today um, might uh, wouldn't give me great cause of, of optimism. Now, I, I would also hopefully, in the fullness of time, we'll find out what exactly went on with the Broncos and Rodgers and Hackett when Hackett was appointed. But of the teams who missed and from either conference, who do you think, you know, should be kind of facing into this offseason going next year, we should be in the playoffs? So it's kind of a cop-out answer to say because they were right there and there was a bunch of injuries that kind of took them out of it. But the Bengals will more than likely be in the playoffs again next year. They're going to get Joe Burrow back. I think they have some major questions as well regarding the future of T. Higgins, Tyra Boyd, DJ Reader, the free agent, Jonah Williams is going to be a free agent. They have shown that they can make shrewd decisions both in the free agency pool and in the draft pool. And if they need an offensive tackle or receiver, it's a really good class to need an offensive tackle or receiver. So if you say, hey, we'll let T walk, we can draft a guy at 18 or something, or even if we let Jonah Williams walk in franchise tag T, you can, they have so many different ways of going about this portion of the Bengals era under Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor. But having Joe Burrow there and having Jamar Chase and having Lou Anarumo still calling that defense is going to be their, it's like their force multiplier. You know, it brings your floor a lot higher and it also raises your ceiling. Now you just need the requisite support from all the other guys on the team and all the support from the front office. Their DBs were really young. They got burnt a lot this year, but that's what happens when you're really young. It's kind of trial by fire. The Chiefs had it happen last year, and then they won the Super Bowl because it's the Chiefs. But I think the Bengals, next year, they'll more than likely be in the playoffs. When it comes to the NFC, it's really interesting. You know, I think there are a lot of really intriguing teams where you say, oh, they missed the playoffs. I think they can make it back. Um, 
I'm going to go with the Vikings. And the reason I say the Vikings is because Kirk Cousins was playing the best football of his career before he tore his Achilles. And if they decide to bring Cousins back, you have Cousins, you have two phenomenal tackles. You have Justin Jefferson. Jordan Addison was really good in his rookie year. TJ Hawkinson, again, coming off an injury, but played really, really well. And that defense got blood from a stone when it comes to what we thought they were going to have going into the season and finishing near the top 10 in almost every defensive metric. They have all the tools necessary to kind of make a run, like as a sneaky wild card pick. But I think I'd, I'd rock with the Vikings in the NFC. Yeah, I, I, I think Kevin O'Connell has done a, a fantastic job there. It will be very interesting just to see what and what they intend to do at the, the QB um, position. Um, in terms of um, the, I suppose, the, the, let's talk about the discourse, right? The, this year, it feels like this year, kind of more than any year, um, it became discourse, narrative, it was just like the, the and there was that clip of George Santos talking about content and how you know you can't you want the content, but it felt like so after the game the on Sunday like the fourth down stuff the the stuff around anal, analytics um we we've, we've seen it in terms of the the QB stuff around Brock Purdy we saw it last year around Herbert and Tua. Um, we see it even uh, in the Ben Johnson stuff. Like uh, it's it's reported, the insider is like he's asking for too much money, and uh, 13 minutes later, he he he's like, I don't know why people are saying he was asking for too much money. It's like, hang on, you just said it three tweets ago. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just, I, is is this ever going to end, or is this just going to get louder and louder? Um, because it, because there's so much noise. That people need to scream the loudest, and I ask you as somebody who who doesn't, you're you're, you're you don't do that. So, like, wh- what is it like as somebody who who doesn't engage in that sort of stuff, sitting on the side of, but who is involved in covering the league? Oh, this is never going to end. The content, the discourse, they will never, ever, ever, ever end because every time some guy's discourse gets uh, disproven. They flip it. It's changed. You know, now we're, we're on to a new discourse. You know, uh, I think when it comes to the hot topic of analytics and fourth down stuff, we've been doing this for like five years, man. We got to give it a break. We got to give it a rest. I think we're taking a lot of what Dan Campbell did and we're like, oh, the numbers, all the analytics. Dan Campbell never said anything about analytics and fourth and numbers. We just talking about going forward on fourth down. He talked about feel and the feel that the Lions knew what they were doing. The Lions were really good on fourth and three or less, and their kicker was very bad from four, from the high 40s and 50-yard range. That That's the, if you want numbers, those are the numbers they reference. I think the thing that we, we have lost when it comes to analytics versus, like, film guys, tape guys, like, manly band football, I guess, is... They've always been connected. It has never been an either or. Even before, like, the numbers and analytics quantified what coaches were think- seeing already, if before before a game, leading up in, into the week of preparation, if a coach is watching film and says, hey, every time they line up in 12 personnel with both tight ends to the right, they run outside zone. That's 
analytics. Every time they're in third and short and they run duo, that's analytics. That is the, that's what they're doing. They've all it's always been connected. It's always been there. But I think we have created such a binary where it's either this or that. And that really just kind of comes down to like a general like thought on like everything, almost everything in the world. You create it so it's either this or that when it never really has been this or that or most things have never been this or that but they've always been connected they've always intertwined it has always been you need the analytics and you also need the film and the feel to create a holistic like base for this for coaching and managing this sport and Dan Campbell has done this before and it works. I feel like we do this every time when it doesn't work, but we don't do it when it does work. So it's just the discourses will never end. The quarterback discourses will never end. They are the most popular people in the sport. They're always the ones that get all the blame, but all the credit as well. We will never, ever end quarterback discourse. Nothing, nothing changes. Eat at Arby's. Just... I just wish it could be a little more nuanced because uh, it just feels like as like the 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 noise is is crazy like about around Brock Purdy he he's uh, like he's either either you have to have him ranked alongside Brady or or Montana or you think he he is at the the worst QB and you can't believe that Kyle Shanahan um he really Kyle could should just go and pluck somebody from the stands and pop them in because they'd essentially do the the same piece. That that is definitely a a, a frustration of, of mine that that I I have. Um, I suppose uh, just a, a couple of, of more pieces. I'm interested in um you know Jim, Jim Harbaugh's return uh, to to the league and um you know he I remember um when Harbaugh reading a piece and I think it was it came out maybe a year after he left the the Niners. And it talked about, it kind of, it was a proper profile of him. And it talked about why there was such buy-in initially. And by the end, um, it had gone kind of sour from both, I suppose, a a front office um, viewpoint, but also with the the players. Like, basically, guys, like, sitting down beside them in the canteen every day. Like, hey, guys. And it's like, oh, Jim, again, okay. Um, But do you, you... you know, your team now have um, are dealing with his former GM. Um, he's come into the Chargers where they're, you know, they don't have a, a GM currently. Um, they decided to get Harbaugh first, which I guess would lead one to believe he'll have, you know, a, quite a bit of say. I mean, they'll put somebody in there. But do you think that the Jim Harbaugh that has is coming back into the league has learned lessons from what happened previously? And do you think that going to the Chargers with, uh, I said, look, they they they're they're over the cap, but they can make changes. They need to change anyway, because I would argue they're old and slow. But Jim Harbaugh with Justin Herbert in the AFC West, how dangerous can they be, JP? So I think the first thing that we have to understand about Jim Harbaugh is even despite all the stuff that happened in San Francisco between him and Trent Baalke, which seems majority like Trent Baalke issues. He won games. He won a lot of games. He wins a lot of games everywhere he goes. The Chargers lacked identity uh, for the last few years, 
for most of the most of the Chargers teams have lack identities. Jim Harbaugh brings him an identity, a toughness, physicality. That that's going to be emphasized for this team, a team that has lacked physicality. The Chargers were pretty soft in the previous few years, in the previous regimes. I think, of course, like you said, this team is very old and top-heavy. The depth is very bad. The secondary is very bad. I would... The restructuring of the contracts is going to happen. You got... You have to, just to kind of get back above water. But I think when it comes to pairing him with a GM, I think they're expected to hire uh, the Ravens director of player personnel, Joe Hortiz, Joe Hortiz, which, of course, is very... It's perfect for Jim Harbaugh, getting someone who knows the Harbaugh mind, you know, like they, I'm sure Jim and Joe Ortiz have had conversations beforehand about his brother, John. And so they're having, having somebody come from that, like someone who knows how to speak Harbaugh. Harbaugh is a very unique language. He has said, and of course he's changed his mind, but he said that chickens are a nervous bird. So he does not eat chickens. The man drinks milk religiously. That is a very unique language. It is a very, like, football-ass football coach language. And getting someone who knows the Harbaugh language is going to be perfect for them. I don't think it's going to be instant success because of just they they need a lot of help. Like, you have the quarterback, but, you know, that they, you still need help uh, receiver-wise. What happens with Mike Williams is going to be very interesting. But I was with Austin Eckler going to be very interesting. And defensively, oh boy, uh, there's a lot of holes and a lot of a lot of money tied up into Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, both of whom could get restructured or be cap casualties. So I think it's going to take maybe a couple of years, but just best believe they will win games. They will win a lot of football games because that's what Jim Harbaugh does. Um, if you're not familiar with a Dutch football manager named Louis van Hal, uh, I, I would say he too speaks a very unique language, has very unique views. Uh, he's definitely he's hilarious also. Uh, he's definitely worth uh, checking out. Um, and and I, I, the piece, the, the Harbaugh piece I love most recently was how he greeted his brother uh, and then six seconds later how he greeted Josh Johnson uh, which was uh, truly the, the contrast was uh, magnificent um, final two then how how are you feeling about Jaguars going into uh, the off season um, after what can only be described as a really d- disappointing back end to the campaign I would even go further than that and say the back end of last season was a disaster. It was a failure. This is the biggest offseason in my existence as a Jaguars because you have now run out of the leeway of you have the quarterback on a rookie deal, plus you're in the AFC South, which kind of sucks. The AFC South don't suck anymore. There's at least two other teams in there that are going to make noise, and the Titans, who always seem to just be your boogeyman, so this offseason is about not being complacent. You have to make changes to this team. You have to do something different. Something has to change. They got rid of the entire defensive staff. Hire Ryan Nielsen. Phenomenal. Phenomenal hire. I think with the defensive scheme change, you're gonna need a few, they're gonna need a defensive tackle. They're gonna need a few more corners. But that's a phenomenal change. Offensively. You better figure it out because 
you're running out of that leeway, like I said, of having the quarterback on a rookie deal. Trevor Lawrence is still very good. I think we have kind of let what happened this year, you know, kind of cloud our ju- our brains on Trevor Lawrence and just the overall, like, the offense was not good outside. The reason the Jaguars were partially like eight and three was because Trevor Lawrence was kind of doing things to make sure that that team was actually above ground. So this offseason is critical in terms of roster talent acquisition and not being complacent because you know the Texans won't be complacent. Colts won't be complacent. The Titans just fired Mike Vrabel, which crazy, you know, like that's considering like he is one of their most successful coaches in their modern era. You cannot afford to be complacent this offseason. And I would... I'm cautiously optimistic, but you never know with this team. You just never know. And and finally, so last summer you did coach combat as to which NFL coach would win in in a street fight. Um, I am wondering uh, which current NFL head coach would cut the best wrestling promo. Ooh, cut the best wrestling promo? Mm. I'm going to go Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni would cut the best promo. He would be the the traditional like wrestling heel who cuts the great promo but doesn't want to actually fight, doesn't want to wrestle. You know, he just cut, comes out, cuts the promo, and then kind of runs away from the from the good guy. Nick Sirianni has Big Dom to fight for him. That's like his uh, he is he is Paul Heyman, not as good as Paul Heyman is on the mic, but he is that type of heel, and then that makes uh Big Dom Brock Lesnar, which. You know, it's very fitting. But Nick Sirianni would be my first pick. And then I think Dan Campbell, just the passion that he speaks with, I think he is one of the one of the better. He'd be one of the better pros in the wrestling business. But Coach Mike Tomlin, very sneaky, underrated as a promo because he might not say much, but the facial expressions and the brief, the brevity of his phrases or sentences will be very, very good, and it'll be easy to catch on. It'll be like uh, L.A. Knight saying, yeah, all the time. That's Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin just goes, we do not care. And, again, it creates this firestorm of a meme. Yeah, yeah I, I I think my, Mike Tomlin cutting uh, wrestling promos would be amazing. I, I also think um, if Sirianni would be the type, um, and not quite wrestling, um, and you may not remember, but Guns N' Roses, Once Upon a Time, Axel's behavior started a riot, at which point they fled uh, out of uh, out of the 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 stadium uh, where the concert was on and made it across state lines uh, in order to not get arrested. Nick Sirianni would do exactly that. He would start trouble and he would get out of dodge and he'd leave it to other people to clean up. Oh yeah, he's definitely angering fans of Kansas City. They're like, it's quiet in here, you know, like he. He's going up the Colts fans yelling, this is for Frank Reich. Like, all right, man, sure. Like, you go ahead, dude. But he is definitely the wrestling promo in the NFL. Yeah, I like the Paul Heyman uh, comparison. Uh, JB, for people who um, aren't familiar with your stuff, uh, they really should be acquainted with it. Where can they find you? You can find me at SB Nation. I write about the NFL, NFL Draft, college football. Anywhere where there's football being talked about, I'm probably going to be there. You can find me on Twitter at Acosta32 underscore JP, JP Acosta32 on threads. 
And I'm going to have some really cool stuff coming out. I'm going to be at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. I'll, that'll be really fun to go and, go and attend. I'll be doing some more NFL draft stuff, of course. But it's going to be just follow me, see what I'm doing, see where I'm going. Excellent. Well, uh, happy to, to hear that and appreciate you taking the time to chat to me today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, please do vote with your fingers and rate, review, or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Every click, every like, every positive review, and every additional subscriber makes a huge difference. It helps others to find the show, and we really do appreciate it. We'd also love to hear from you and to interact with NFL fans on our social channels, wherever you're listening in the world, so please do get in touch.